The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents This is Your FBI. This is your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Presented transcribed as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. If the future is your biggest worry, and it is to most of us, then you'll be interested in a man who can help you solve it. He is your local representative of the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States, an organization of six million members who have joined together to provide for their future security. In about 12 minutes, I'd like to tell you more about Equitable Society men and how they may help you enjoy the advantages of membership in the Equitable Society. Tonight, the subject of our FBI file, Armed Robbery. Its title, The Larceny Express. This is Memorial Day, and throughout the country, Americans have decorated the graves of men who died that others might continue to live in freedom. It is, of course, fitting that those men should be so honored, but it would also be fitting if on this day the graves of other men were made greener, other men who, though not military or naval personnel, were also fighting for the freedom of others when they met their premature deaths. Those men have come from the ranks of the law enforcement agencies of America, local, county, state, and federal. The job of law enforcement officials is to fight our homegrown army of criminals, an army which, like any other, uses various instruments of death. No police officer knows when the phone will ring and call him, nor, like the soldier, does he know in advance where his assignment may take him or whether he'll survive. Tonight's FBI file opens in a railroad cut in the hill country of a New England state. It is late at night, and the whistle of a southbound freight is heard in the distance. In the darkness of the cut, two men huddle against an embankment. The train whistle is heard again. One of the men steps forward, cups his hands, and yells, Okay, Pete! With that, a man at the far end of the cut steps onto the tracks and lights a flare. Because the flare which stopped the train has been planted at a carefully chosen point, the train is strung from one end of the cut to the other, and right opposite the point where the two men had been huddling is a sealed freight car. This is the car, Harry. Right. As they break the seal on the freight car, other men tear open the door of the car ahead. The men work quickly, professionally. They unload three cartons of wristwatches from one car, four large cartons of nylon stockings from the other. By the time the cottons are moved off the freight cars, the train crew has inspected the track beyond the cut, found nothing wrong, and signaled for the train to stop. 
She's pulling out. Okay, start moving the stuff out. Later that night, at an FBI field office, Special Agent Bob Dixon reports to Supervisor Carl Norwood. Dixon, I'm sorry to get you out of bed. Well, it's all right, Carl. Something's come out that we've got to start working on immediately. What's that? At 9.27 tonight, a freight train was stopped at the cut near Moose Lake. The robbers planted a flare to halt the train and broke into two sealed cars. What was stolen? Four cartons of nylon stockings and three cartons of wristwatches. Worth about $8,000 altogether. Mm-hmm. How long was the train stopped? Not more than ten minutes. As soon as the crew inspected the track ahead and found nothing wrong, the train continued on its way. Do we have any leads? Not yet. The robbery wasn't discovered until the train pulled in here a few minutes ago. Oh? Farrell police have started to investigate, so coordinate with them. You know Inspector Farrell at their office? Yeah, Leo and I are old friends. I'll go over and see him. Don't let me give you a hand. No, I can make it. Everything okay here? Mm-hmm. Where are the other guys? Out in the boat. How'd the job go? Mm, great till we got stuck out there. You run out of gas? No. The water looked plenty deep, but that white sand fooled us. What's the loot? Nylons and wristwatches. Easy to pedal. Mm-hmm, and there's plenty of it. You find a phone? There's a pay booth about a mile up the beach. Good. I'll call Porky, see if he can handle this big a deal. Maybe you better wait till we get a truck. <laughs> Waiting's for chumps. We'll steal a truck tomorrow morning and get this stuff to Springtown. Bob? Hi, Leo. You want the freight car case? Yeah. This one of the cars I broke into? Yeah, they're over there on the next siding. Huh? We got one lead already. What's that? Sheriff Guthrie called from Moose Lake and said there was a boat reported stolen tonight from the hillside of the lake. Yes, sir. Yeah. While we were talking, word came in that it was found floating free. That's inspecting it now. Good. He also sent down the flare that was used to stop the train. Oh, here we are. Hey, these look like fresh scratches on the lock. Could be too much. Yeah. Uh, wait till I get some chalk out of this kit. Here we are. Well, it's just so we don't forget to shoot a picture of it. Nothing else on the door there. Want to go in? Okay. I got it, Leo. stole the watches from. Mm-hmm. Any idea where those cartons were in the car? Yeah, here, close to the door. Oh, dust these crates. We might get some prints. Let's give you enough light? Yeah, thanks. As soon as we finish here, I'm driving up to Moose Lake. You want to come along? When might Express be in with the flare? About two hours. Well, I'd better wait and get it to our lab. Then I'll come up and meet you. Are you, Joe? Yeah. I finally located the fence to handle the stuff. 
You run into anybody on the beach? Nope. You must have walked the other way. Who? The sheriff. Oh? He was here a couple of minutes ago asking a lot of questions. He come in? No, but he might want to when he comes back. Well, maybe he won't be back. He's got to. His boat's tied to the dock. Hmm. Better wake the other guys. They're gone. They went into Pittsfield to get the truck. They said to be back as soon as it gets dark. Oh. Joe, we can't stall that sheriff till then. If you don't find anything along the rest of the beach, you'll want to come in. Forget about him. But, Joe, he didn't come here by accident. Must have found out some way you brought the stuff over here last night. Once he comes in and gets a look at those boxes... Look, don't worry. When he gets back, I'll take care of him. Ben Bob. I'd been here sooner, but I waited for the report on that flare. Yeah? They bring up any prints? Not enough to get an eye, then. Where's Sheriff Guthrie? The other side of the lake, and uh, I'm worried about him. Worried? Why? Well, he hasn't called in since he left this morning. What made him go to the other side of the lake? Oh, he left a report. It's on that stolen boat. He found quite a few traces of white sand in it, and uh, there's only one spot around the lake with white sand. That's Craven's Point, just about opposite here. Mm-hmm. That report show who the boat belonged to? Yeah, and uh, Sheriff Guthrie interviewed him. The, the owner's never been to Craven's Point. So that sand was probably left by the thieves. Are you familiar with Craven's Point? Yeah. What's it like? Not much there, except an old boathouse and this white sand beach. Then if the thieves landed there at the boathouse, somebody might have seen them. Well, the place is only open during the summer. Have you had a look at the scene of the robbery? Yes. The only thing I found was a heel print. Just one? And there was evidence of other footprints, but none of them were deep enough to make an impression of. You make one of the heel prints? Mm-hmm. It's in my car. Oh. Bob, you know, it's uh, 6 o'clock. Now, I know Guthrie he wouldn't be gone all day without checking in. Not unless something happened to him. Can we get a boat and go over to Craven's Point? Yeah. There's a place here that rents them. I'll call and see if they're open. You see anything, Leo? That's the dock. What does Guthrie's boat look like? Speedboat, about a 30-footer. Oh? Has county sheriff's office across the stern and a star on each side. Star? What color? Mahogany. Pretty tough to see this time of night. I'm afraid so. Leo, is that a boat? Where? Tied to the dock. Yeah, it is. Well, keep your gun handy. I'm going to pull up next to it. Reach his boat. Yeah, I got it. Empty. Yeah. Maybe they're holding him inside the boathouse. Uh huh. Cover me. I'm going to show him. Yeah. Okay. Come on. No lights in the house. How do you get in there? There's a door on either side and one in front. What's beyond the house? A uh, dirt road to the main highway. Anybody living along the road? Uh, a few farmers. Hold it. Huh? I saw a light. Where? 
Down there through the slats in the dark. In the what? Yeah. It's shining on something. It looks like a flashlight. It is a flashlight. Leo, look beside it. A body. It's Guthrie. Return in just a moment to tonight's exciting case from the official files of your FBI. When you have a legal problem, you go to a lawyer. If it's a health problem, you consult a doctor. But if your problem is your future, who is the best man to consult? Well, Mr. David C. Gardner found an answer to that problem by joining the Equitable Society. I wonder if you'd tell us, Mr. Gardner, why you joined the Equitable Society. It was this program, Mr. Keating. You see, money for future security was my problem. So when I heard about a plan described over this program that seemed a way out for me, well, I called my local Equitable Society representative. You're right, Mr. Gardner. You have nothing to lose, possibly everything to gain by discussing your life insurance problems with an Equitable Society agent. How did it turn out, Mr. Gardner? Well, I did myself and my family a big favor. My Equitable agent worked out a plan that gives me security and peace of mind I've never known before. Well, that is the goal of every Equitable Society representative. Helping provide economic freedom for American families. Life insurance is his career. He has made an intensive study of all forms of life insurance. He knows the advantages of each. He can show you how to get the most from your insurance dollar. And he is backed by a staff of highly trained experts in the home office. Actuaries, technicians, economists. Millions of families like Mr. Gardner's have discovered this. The right equitable society plan can assure you peace of mind and future security. If that's what you want, don't put it off. Get acquainted with the man who can help you most. Consult your local telephone directory for the name of your local equitable representative. Or write this station. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E. The Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now back to tonight's FBI file, The Larceny Express. Special Agent Dixon and Railroad Police Inspector Leo Farrell immediately removed Sheriff Guthrie's body from the water and began artificial respiration. However, it was impossible to revive him. The county coroner's preliminary examination established that Sheriff Guthrie's death was due not to drowning, but to a skull fracture incurred when he was struck from behind with a blunt instrument. That changed the status of this case. For now, it was not only a theft from an interstate shipment, but murder. Tonight's FBI file continues later that night in the boathouse. Agent Dixon is examining one of the bedrooms. Bob? Last room or the left, Leo? Found a heel print out front, and I think it matches the one from the scene of the robbery. Hmm. You make an impression? Yeah, and I also made a cast of some tire tracks, pretty deep ones. Looks like they were made by a truck. Well, there's nothing in this room. Let's go across the hall. How many rooms were used? Four so far. Find anything in them? Well, I got a few prints off a whiskey bottle. Mm hmm. Hmm. Lipstick on these cigarette butts. 
pillowcase is pretty smart. Mm-hmm. I better send these things to the lab. They might be able to tell us what brand of cosmetic the woman uses. How about the butts? Yeah, I'll take them, too. Mind dumping them into this envelope? Oh, yeah. There you go. Thanks. Well, any other rooms? Nope. Oh, let's head back to town. Stick your head out and watch that overhead door. Okay. Okay, so far. Keep going. Easy. It's awful close. Can I make it? You're okay so far. Go ahead. Now there's a couple of feet and you're clear. Easy. Okay. You're in. I'll get the guys out. We'll unload. Later that morning, Agent Dixon reported back to Supervisor Carl Norwood at the FBI field office. Carl, I got more news on that freight car robbery. This teletype just came in from the lab. What do they think? The lipstick, powder, and rouge were all common brands sold everywhere. However, from the shades, they suggest the woman probably is a blonde. Uh-huh. The fingerprints found on the whiskey bottle match the ones from the flare that was planted on the railroad track. Was that heel print found near the flare? Oh, but this next report says the heel print at the scene of the robbery duplicates the one found outside the boathouse. That pretty definitely establishes the thieves went to that boathouse after the robbery. Oh. You got a report back on those tire impressions? Not yet, but Farrell and I called on a few farmers along a dirt road near the lake. Yes? At one of the places a farmer remembered seeing a truck pass his place last night. Could he describe the truck? Well, it was big, painted black, had a canvas roof. I put in a call for the state police. If they can check the gas station along the main highway for us, some attendant might remember the truck. At the FBI laboratory, technicians were busy examining the plaster tire impressions and comparing them with various standards. Every tire company uses different shaped treads. And a sample of each style is kept on file for use in cases like this. Where a single set of fingerprints can be identified in a few minutes, out of a collection of more than 123 million sets, matching a tire impression frequently takes longer. However, a few hours later... Oh, we got that laboratory report. On the tires? Yep. They're made exclusively for pioneer trucks. Quite a few pioneers around. We've got a district sales office here. Try to get a list from them of every truck they've sold in this area. Within the hour, that list was obtained. Agent Dixon called every truck owner. He learned where their trucks had been the night before. 
He got the name of every driver. One after another, those names were eliminated. Well, I think we've got a break. What's that? An express company in Pittsfield reported one of their trucks was stolen yesterday. It's a Pioneer, painted black with a canvas top. Pittsfield, huh? They could have driven from there to Craven's Point last night without any trouble. You get the license number? Yeah. Also the motor number and speedometer reading. Send out an all-points alarm. All local and state police in the surrounding area were notified by teletype. That missing truck now loomed as the only chance your FBI had of locating these criminals. An hour went by after the alarm was sent out. Two hours. Then... Inspector Farrell. Leo, this is Bob Dixon. The truck's been found. Where? Just outside Springtown. The goods in it? No, but I'll pick you up in ten minutes and we'll drive over there. Speedometer reads 9,460. You know what it was when the truck was stolen? Yeah, 9,138, so it's been driven. Uh... Yeah, pencil? No, I've got one, thanks. Truck's been driven 322 miles. Uh-huh. Well, it's uh, 43 miles from Pittsfield to Craven's Point. Well, that leaves, let me see, 279. That chart give the distance between Craven's Point and Springtown? It should. Hmm. 200. 74 miles. Well, that leaves five miles unaccounted for. So they stand on a pretty straight line between Craven's Point and here. Mm-hmm. And they probably wouldn't drive too far after unloading the loop. Well, uh, we can't search every building in Springtown. <laughs> oh, I guess not. Well, let's look over the truck. Right. Yeah. You, you go ahead, huh? Right. Come on. <clears throat> Some glass over there. Uh-huh. Painted green. Kind of thin, too. Yeah, it might be from a window pane. Mm-hmm. Leo, there's a slit in the canvas top right above us. Yeah. That could have been ripped by this glass. Mm-hmm. This is a bigger than average truck. Might have trouble getting into a regular garage. The kind that has a front door swinging overhead? Yeah. But the only places using those overhead doors are warehouses and big garages. Leo, the chief of police here went to the FBI National Academy. Maybe he has a list we can work from. Where's the next stop, Bob? Well, we've covered all the warehouses. Any garages left? Five. Turn right on the corner. Okay. Couple doors down. At the place? Uh huh. There we go. Okay. Hey. Huh? Overhead door, Bob. Yeah, I see that, Leo. And a couple of panes broken. And the others are painted green. You see inside? Yeah. Doesn't seem to be anybody around. Let's try that side door. Right. Here you are. Go ahead. Leo. Huh? Those cartons in back. What about them? Well, look. This is the loot, all right. The boxes are still full. 
Oh. Yeah, now all we've got to do is... Two men and a woman. Down, they're coming this way. You'll never get to be a big operator that way. Neither will you. What? Joe. Go reach. You're all under arrest. Because of the murder of Sheriff Guthrie, all subjects in this case were turned over to state authorities and received long prison sentences. Because the records sent to your FBI by local police departments do not always list the names of officers killed in the line of duty, it is impossible to pay individual respect to those brave men. However, on this Memorial Day, the Federal Bureau of Investigation wishes to take this opportunity to do homage to every law enforcement officer who throughout the years has lost his life, including these 16 FBI special agents, Edwin C. Shanahan, Paul E. Reynolds, Albert L. Ingle, Raymond J. Caffrey, Rupert B. Surat, W. Carter Baum, Samuel P. Cowley, Herman E. Hollis, Nelson B. Klein, Wimberly W. Baker, Truett E. Rowe, William R. Ramsey, Jr., Hubert J. Tracy, Jr., Percy E. Foxworth, Harold D. Haberfield, J. Cordes Delworth. May they rest in peace. Did you know that very few people know how to make the best use of their money? Well, it's true. People spend too much time worrying about how to get more money than how to make the best use of what they have. Now, there is one man who can help you make every dollar count. He is your local Equitable Society agent. He is ready at any time and without obligation to you to help you plan for future security and peace of mind. Simply consult your local telephone directory for the name of your local representative of the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Next week, we will dramatize another case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Its subject, Interstate Transportation of Gambling Devices. Its title, Jackpot. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of places or persons, living or dead, is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. The author was Jerry D. Lewis. Your narrator was William Woodson. Others in the cast were Newton Arnold, Billy Hallop, Lamont Johnson, Charlotte Lawrence, Tom Tully, and Carlton Young. This is your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. This is Larry Keating speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time.
when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling transcribed story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Jackpot on This Is Your FBI. Stay tuned for the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. There's fun for the whole family when Ozzie and Harriet come your way next. This program came to you from Hollywood.